Uh, we worship God when things are awesome, and we worship God when things aren't so great. Amen? Uh, God is always worthy to be worshipped. Uh, God is always good, and we always have the opportunity and the privilege uh, to say, yes, I will praise you. Amen? Amen. You guys can take a seat. Take a seat. Can we thank our band for the work they've done? Yeah. It is time for question and answer night. Oh, yeah. I have a few announcements for us. Woo-woo. Okay. So, first of all, if you still have a question, we're going to try and do this. Um, if you still have a question, go ahead and scan that QR code if you have a cell phone. And you can still submit questions real time. Yeah, we're doing it. Um, I'm going to ask our, all of our panelists are going to come to the stage now. And uh, as they're doing this, I have a few announcements for us. A few announcements for you. You guys ready to hear them? Number one, what do you think the first one is? What do you think the first one is? Camp. It was camp, and it is camp. Camp is coming up uh, a lot sooner than I'm realizing. It's like six weeks away, people. I mean, this is, yeah, this is happening. July 9th through the 12th, there is still time to get that free T-shirt. If you haven't registered yet, you still get a free T-shirt for 100 people. Um, so that is happening July 9th through the 12th. Another thing that's happening in two weeks, it's senior night. Senior night is in two weeks. What does that mean we have to be? Are you going to come dressed like this to senior night? No. Are you going to come dressed like this to senior night? Uh, mixed reviews. Mixed reviews, mostly from the audience. Uh, the answer is no. We dress up on senior night, and we are going to hear our seniors deliver a sermon, or mini sermons, I guess. So it should be good. All right. Who was here last year for our summer kickoff? Hands. Let's see them. We are doing another summer kickoff on July, or excuse me, June 15th. June 15th is our official summer kickoff. And you know, after this, late night happens every single night, which I'm very excited for. If you haven't been with us in a while, after this event, we get to listen to a sermon every Wednesday and then hang out all night. It's very cool. There's going to be food. There's going to be fun. There's going to be giveaways. And so you need to invite your friends and you need to show up. It is completely free to you. Just be here Wednesday night, June 15th. All right. I think I got it. Sounds good. I think I got it. Amazing. All right. Well, let's do this. I want to uh, have an opportunity for our panelists to introduce themselves, uh, starting with Matt right here. Well, I mean, you you did it. Starting with this person um, that I don't know his it's name. It's great to see everyone. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've uh, been working with the youth since CJ was in ninth grade. Yeah. Now he's graduating. So I f oh. he's all grows up. It's pretty awesome. Uh, and, um, yeah, I uh, also work with the Academy as well, um, which and is always, Verge. yeah, and the Verge, which is our uh, college ministry. So for any of you guys that are going to be graduating, you're going to be staying here, we would love to see you in the Verge because that's right. We have a place for you even if you're in college because Absolutely. we love you when it's true. you're in college, just like we love you in middle school and in high school yep. and in the nursery and in all those places. So, yeah, my name is Matt, and I'm excited to be here. Thanks, Matt. Claps for Matt. I'm Hillary Ireland. I'm not going to be nearly as long as Matt. Um, but I wow. um, am the freshman girls small group leader, and I also work in the academy as well. Okay. Hello, everybody. Where's Tribes at? Yeah, that's right. That's my fan club. And they know that I'm the best-looking one on this couch. 
Okay, thanks, Tribes. On thanks the for couch. Coming. Love you all. Awesome. Uh, these are all leaders who have tons of wisdom, and we're going to talk about some of these questions together. First, there was kind of a goofy question that came in that I didn't tell you about this, but I want, I want to ask you. The question was, what kind of toothpaste do you use? So you just got to answer. Tony. I mean, I guess Tony doesn't brush his teeth, so that's um, awkward. Um, I uh, I actually use Tom's um, for Maine, and uh, it's the the reason I use that is it's the, they have a, one that's specifically for uh, ultra sensitive teeth, and it actually makes a difference. Um, Everyone say, "Aww." I know. Um, I'm, what Sorry can I say? I'm a teeth, sensitive Matt. guy. I feel like this is kind of, I feel like we're old people a little. I yeah. use like Sensodyne too, but not Tom's version. I know. Yeah. Yikes. Please tell I mean, me you don't use that. Are old My doc, Dennis, said just chew gum, so that's what I do. Cool. It, it, oh, yeah. I, I also use the same toothpaste as Matt. Not the same, not the, like the same, same. But like I, the same yeah, brand. we found that out today, and I was like, wow, that's so cool. I, I mean, guess I've never asked another know. human being like yeah. what kind of toothpaste they yeah, use. Yeah, man. So what's like, your cool. what's your preferred toothpaste? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool. All right. So, silly question out of the way. Um, you guys asked a lot of really good ones. First of all, we're not going to get to all of them because we have over 20, uh, 20 of them in, and so we're going to get to a few of them. And uh, if you have questions, always that you're like you didn't answer, and I really want you to tell me now. Come talk to us. We would love to uh, chat with you. First one is the first of the night. The question is, what does the Bible have to say about cursing or cussing? Ooh. So what does the Bible have to say about cursing? Tony, you have a thought for us? Um, cursing. So that's when I say bad words. Yeah, so oh, like okay. potty words. Um, let's see. Um, so like we talked about this a little bit. It's intentional things. So we know that there's these words we're just not supposed to say. School, places, cuss words. The Bible's pretty specific on our language. But for me, and, and one of my struggles is like yours, I'll say son of a biscuit, right? And you're thinking, oh, he's just saying a funny word. Well, it's my anger at the end. And so it's a little bit of that. He's not cussing, but he, it's like cussing. And I, I wonder sometimes what Jesus would say to that. What would he say to my the way I'm handling something, as it, why am I saying it that way? Um, my wife calls me out when I say anything like that. I go, son of a biscuit, and she's like, that's cussing. And, and she writes me up, and I have a little star taken off. And it's kind of boring. Um, and so, no. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I wonder what Jesus thinks through that. Uh, would I say that in front of him? No. Uh, would he say that to me? Probably not. Um, and so there's that. Um, and, Hillary, you had something to say about that. First, I think we should list off all the curse words. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Just kidding. They record this. No, I didn't say anything. Kind of to um, piggyback what Tony was saying, I think it really has to do with your intentionality. We all know what we mean when we are saying that. And a lot of times we may use a word that is not the actual cuss word, but we're meaning the cuss word, but we are choosing not to say it because we're trying to be good Christians. Um, so just like where's your intentionality coming from? Like what's your motivation for saying um, what you're saying? Um, and I think that's kind of gets to the heart of the issue. Um, so just thinking about that before you're using any word, really. Um, you know, it's funny that this was the first question because my wife will tell you I'm not always so good when I'm at home about saying things I shouldn't. Um, no and really right. that, no and, and I loved what Tony had to say because it really does come from, uh, the anger side, you know, when you get angry and frustration, like we just say things that, 
um, we may not want to say. Um, and what I found too is the Lord really convicted me is that by saying those words that it doesn't actually make anything better. Um, it, it doesn't, um, it doesn't help. Um, and I'm really remind, I mean, when this, when we were looking, uh, Noah said uh, uh, the questions and immediately my mind went to Ephesians where Paul says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such that is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. And I'm reminded that when I um, say those type of words, it's not giving grace to anyone who's around me. It's not even giving grace to me to say them. And so that's something that just really stuck out to me uh, with this question. And it's something that I just have to remember because, you know, like I'm, I'm human, we're all human, and sometimes we say things that we shouldn't. I think, too, um, I was just thinking about this as he was talking. Um, fortunately and unfortunately, I think that's what a lot of people look to when they see your actions is the language that you use and the example that you're setting. Um, I know that's true for um, me. Like, a lot of people notice that I don't use curse words, so I think that's a true testimony, but we have to just really watch the words that we are saying. But I think that's a huge thing that people notice that makes us stand out and not worldly. Let me give you some practical stuff. We're going to give you verses tonight. Uh, everything that we deal with in our sinful life, there's a, there, a, there's a promise from God. There's a scripture. And one of the things that David talks about is meditating and memorizing that. Um, it's something I practice, and so I get these issues. And it's, it, what needs to come to mind is a scripture. Right then, right there, go, wait, this is my scripture now. It's Ephesians or, or um, which one do you have? Yeah, Philippians 4. Um, so we're going to give you those. I'm going to let them tell you the exact one. So maybe you need to write that down. Maybe you need to think, man, I'm going to open my Bible and circle that. And then we want you to memorize that. This is your defense. Um, it's the Word of God. And Ephesians 6 says there's only one weapon. Everything's defensive except the Word of God. And that is memorizing the scriptures, memorizing the words. So let, let me have them say those verses, just the addresses. Um. So the one that had come to mind from for me was Ephesians four twenty nine, um, and it's one of my favorite verses uh, because it is so challenging because it makes us remember that it is about what we say, and what we say can either build people up or it can tear people down, um, and so I really love that. Yeah, I I think there's there's two other passages that came to mind. So thinking about like cursing or cussing. Uh, saying bad things, I couldn't agree more. It's about the heart, right? Everything's about um, our, our heart before God and other people. And one of the ways that um, we will be known as Christians, Jesus says this, is by the love we have for one another. And so when you say things, it's like, well, that wasn't very loving, right? Even if it's not a specific, like, bad word, like, that would get bleeped out in a movie that is, like, on TV. Like, even if we don't, like, say those specific things, the question is, are you speaking and operating out of a love for one another, uh, a love for the lost and a love for, uh, like, yourself, right? It's not edifying to anyone. Um, another passage I came that we all have here is Philippians chapter 4, verses 8 and 9. I'll read those super quick. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, 
whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is comfortable, uh, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. But when you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, right? So it's, uh, it's believing them and practicing them. And in, I believe it's in the Gospel of Luke. We'll have to look that up later. Um, over the, from the overflow of our hearts, the mouth speak. So there's never, ever a time where you, like, say something and you're like, that's just, like, I don't know where that came from. I guess it's just, like, ah, my crazy, like, thoughts. Um, those things happen when we meditate on them, when we believe them, when we, uh, when we speak. It's often from the overflow of our heart. And so um, cursing, again, is it, a, like, you say this word, you're getting kicked out of camp, or you're getting kicked out of, the, like, not necessarily, but our heart should always be pure before others. Our heart should be pure before um, our brothers and sp- sisters in Christ. And um, when we see some language come to mind, or even if we're saying, like, little filler words, like, like, what the frick? Like, if we say things like that, we have to ask ourselves, like, am I operating out of an overflow of love right now? And so, Philippians 4, and then there's also James chapter 3, the whole chapter. So just read the whole chapter. Circle, I mean, we went through James here last year. Super important. Every single verse in James is so critical for a young person. But James chapter 3 talks about how the, the tongue is a fire, right? Or the tongue can like literally build like skyscrapers, build amazing things, or the tongue can tear down, right? You never know. So I've thought this recently. Like you can have and build such a good relationship with someone or build such a good culture or build awesome things. And one word can destroy all of it. One word, one phrase, one off the color, one like off the like cuff kind of remark can really do a lot of damage. So we have to be careful. We have to guard our hearts and uh, understand that it, from the overflow of our hearts, uh, we speak. So Philippians 4, 8 and 9, James chapter 3, whole chapter. And uh, what was the other one? Ephesians, Ephesians 429. 429. There you go. Any other thoughts? All right. On to... Don't cuss. Yeah, yeah. At the end of the day, not a great thing. Doesn't edify anyone. So, uh, don't do it. Qu- question number two. Question number two. Uh, this is the full question. It's going to look a little different on the screen. I trust God with my life, but I also know bad things happen to good people, and that is a part of His plan. What if God's plan for me has something I'm terrified of? That's not something I can avoid. So, to summarize that, what? If God's plan for me has something I'm terrified of? That's a big question. That is a huge question. I have a uh, verse here, but uh, anyone else have thoughts before I, I dive in? Anyone from the couch? The couch crew? Um, when, when I was thinking about this question, I was, I was thinking, uh, really, it seems like the larger question becomes, do I trust God or do I not trust God? Hmm. Um, because if I trust God, no matter what happens, uh, I know things are going to be okay, right? Because I'm, I'm with the Lord. Um, and if I don't trust God, then I am going to be worried that something, you know, terrible is going to happen. And I was reminded specifically, um, the Verge has been going through John, and we're about to get to John 10. And Jesus says specifically there in verses 11, 14, and 15, he says, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay my life down for the sheep. 
does that sound like somebody that we shouldn't trust? That no matter what comes to us that isn't going to be taking care of us? Like, think about that for a second. Like, he says, as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. Like, that's how much God knows you. The same way that he knows his Father, and they are one. Like, that's an incredible gift to remember. And then he says, I lay my life down for the sheep. Jesus came to give his life for us. There is nothing that's going to happen to us that he is not going to be taking care of us in. There are going to be terrible things that happen. You know, I mean, just look at what happened in Buffalo and Texas, right? Those are terrible things. Is God still not on his throne and in control? He is. And so I think it's resting in this promise that he is the good shepherd. He's, he takes care of me, and he's going to lay his life down for me. And the best part about that is he already did lay down his life for me. So I know that his words are true. I think, too, um, I don't know exactly where it's found, but it's the whole verse about God not giving us more than um, we can handle. And a lot of times that's taken out of context um, where people just think that we're not going to get big things. Um, But I think the part that we forget about that is he's not going to give us more than we can handle with him. Um, We can't do it by ourselves. We will always have more than we can handle. Um, But when we're living closely with Christ, um, he will be the one carrying us through those times and just trusting him. If he didn't think you could do it, he wouldn't give it to you. So whatever you're terrified of, just jump, and he will have that part under you as soon as you're falling. And just trust that that's going to happen. Yeah, I I wrote down uh, John 16. And John 16, 32 and 33. Uh, So Jesus is talking to his disciples in this moment. And he says, behold, the hour is coming. Indeed, it has come when you will be scattered each to his own home and will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone for the father is with me. I have said these things to you that you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Um, so the question being like, what if God has something for me I'm terrified of? Uh, the answer is like, yes. Like, yes, there will be things. I think of James chapter 1 as well. Uh, there will be trials. There will be difficult pains and difficulties that uh, you face as a Christian. And I, I think I've been very honest about that. I never want us to um, believe and operate out of like, oh, like, things aren't going so well for me. Like, this whole Christian thing must be a sham, right? Like, God must not love me. God not, must not care for me. And, and there are some people who would, like, try and make us believe that. But the reality is, um, because we, of our relationship with Christ, um, our pain isn't pointless. There will be pain, but it's not pointless. And what else does this verse say? Um, at the end, in the world you have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. In our pain and in the things that we're, we're scared of, the difficult things that happen, uh, God is with us in those moments. There's never a moment where God leaves you alone. Uh, There's never a moment when you know him, when you're united to him. There's no pain so deep that you can feel that God's love just like is like, I'm out. I'm done with this person. Uh, And so one, I think we need to address the reality that yes, there will be things that happen in your life 
that you, you question God, you question the goodness of God, and there's just difficult pain. Um, but we take heart because Jesus himself has overcome not just the tribulations, right? He doesn't say, but take heart. I've overcome the tribulations that are going to scare you. He says, I've overcome the world. And like, that's a mic drop moment. I also think like we should address the question does say, I know uh, bad things happen to good people. And I push back a little bit on that and say that uh, even though we're united with Christ, our hearts still aren't inherently good. Uh, we're still not good people. Even though we have the imputed righteousness of Christ, aka righteousness that's kind of like thrown upon you from someone else's doing, uh, we're still not good. And we still are bad. And um, the Lord is still gracious to us, even in our sin and even in our difficulty. So, yeah, John chapter 13 and um, James chapter 1, both of those things um, are really, really crucial passages for us to understand. Uh, yeah, this is where the calling of a Christian gets serious, right? This is the, like, pick up your cross and follow me moments. This is, uh, these are the moments where the rubber meets the road of our faith. And, uh, yeah, God's with us to those things, and he uses those to strengthen us. And he uses those to perfect our uh, faith. So, yeah. Any other questions or any other comments, thoughts? All right. Let's cruise on along here. Uh, this one is, this one's pretty intense. This one's pretty intense. I'm going to read the full um, quote here. Again, there's a smaller version on the screen. And I think it's important that I read this full thing. Again, these are anonymous, so I don't know who wrote this, but you might be in the room. You probably are in the room. I think it's important we know that other people are thinking these things in our, in our ministry. Um, it starts like this. It says, I felt alone and hopeless. Uh, I have a group of friends, but I still feel alone. I have a reputation of always being happy, but I'm not. I've slowly started to hate myself more and more. It keeps getting worse. I'm starting to be ashamed of who I am when I look at myself in the mirror. I found myself drifting away from Christ, but I'm fighting to stay faithful. I'm struggling, and I need, need help. Uh, so I asked two things. One, can you pray for me? And two, and this is the question, question kind of summed up, uh, how can I pull myself back into the love of God and eventually love myself? And yeah, that's a, that's a pretty intense question. So first of all, um, if you're here in the room tonight, and I know I, I kept my word, these are anonymous, I don't secretly know who you are, and so, but I know you might be in the room. I want to um, tell you as your pastor, as your leader, um, that we love you, we care for you, I love you, I'm, I'm thankful you're here, uh, we're thankful you're here, uh, God loves you, and um, you're so valued and you are so loved by God more than your mistakes, more than your sinfulness. Um, and God cares about you. And we, for people who don't feel that way, uh, we get to come to this space and we understand that sometimes we view youth group and we're like, this is for me. I'm going to get content in my brain. I'm going to hang out with my friends. It's me, 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 me. And if you're in a season of your life that's awesome like, and you're feeling great about life, that's, that's good. Um, but there are some people in the room who are struggling and maybe youth group is for someone else, right? Maybe you show up to minister to someone else. Uh, right? If you're a junior or senior, maybe your job is to come and to care for people who are thinking these things. Uh, maybe your job is to put your arm around someone and say, hey, I'm so glad you're here, uh, not knowing what they're thinking or not knowing what they're going through. And so that's a thought that I had um, kind of to answer, uh, kick off this time. So yeah, what are, what are, what are your guys' thoughts? There is... Um there's a time in life when this question could have been for me. And uh, I, uh, one of the things that, uh, probably one of the most amazing things that's ever happened in my life 
Um, I was at a, a church um, and from a well-known pastor in Dallas, and um, he was preaching a sermon, and, um, you know, it was gospel-related, but I don't even remember specifically the whole sermon. What I do remember is that there was this moment where I was feeling so unlovable, so ugly, so, and, and not just like physically ugly, but just like, like emotionally, spiritually, mentally, like everything about me was disgusting. And he said, I want you to close your eyes. And I want you to think about the worst thing that you've ever done, the worst thing about yourself, the, just the worst, right? Like, and I want you to, to, to be in that moment for a second. So allowed everybody to just kind of have their eyes closed, be in that moment. And he said, in that, I want you to realize that God loves you as much as he possibly could. And I can think back to that moment and remember that moment because it was very powerful to realize that that's how much God loves me. No matter how disgusting I thought I was or the or what disgusting things I had thought I had done, like that there wasn't a moment that God didn't love me as much as he possibly could. That's an incredible thing to remember. Um, and I think in this, then really it came, uh, what really helped me kind of get over a lot of those things was that I was having to preach the gospel to myself and I was having to have other people preach the gospel to me. If you were in uh, service on uh, Sunday, uh, two weeks ago, Andrew talked about this in First Peter, how important it is to be reminded of the gospel over and over again. And then he reiterated that same message on this Sunday. Um, and, and it's to remember like Ephesians 2.19, uh, which says, so you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. And then later in Ephesians, Paul says in uh, 3, 14 through 21, he says, for this reason, I bow on my knees before the Father. You can take that, and that's how we feel about you. From, e from whom every family in heaven on earth and is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with the power through his spirit, in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, the height, the depth, and to know that the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Like, we, Paul is praying, and we pray for you that you would know the love of Christ because it is so big, it is so deep, it is so amazing, it is so powerful, there, it's, it's unexplainable. In fact, 
I'm going to use a word you don't know what it means, ineffable. It means I can't describe it to you because there aren't words to describe how big God's love is for you. That's how much God loves you. And who am I to say that then I am unlovable or ugly? Why? Because I am now a citizen of heaven. I am now a part of God's family. And so when you look in the mirror and if you think you're the worst person ever, if you're a Christian, you're in Christ. And you know what God sees when he sees you? He sees Jesus. He doesn't see your sin. And how beautiful is that? I know this was written by one person, but I know that there's a lot of people out there who probably also feel the same way. If not now, you have done, and if you haven't done yet, you will. And I think um, the thing that you have to remember is that um, as much as we have this amazing God, we also have the power of darkness that's against what God is doing. And the first step has been taken, and whoever wrote this, I'm super proud of you because you've reached out. It's anonymous, so we need to take some more steps, but you've reached out, and that's a huge step because what happens is when we um, keep this to ourselves, Satan will stir up these feelings, and when people don't know that you're struggling with that, he is going to work his magic in your life to make you feel all of these very negative feelings about yourself. And it's not until you let that out in the open and bring those things to light, which is also in scripture is bring those dark things to light that Jesus and um, other people around you are going to be able to speak truth into your life because this is not truth. Um, and Satan's going to use that against you because he knows that that's something that you're struggling with. Um, and I just want to say with that is... Um, whoever you are, and even if there are multiple people of you feeling this way, find someone that you can talk to. Um, also, um, just kind of looking at Jesus' Jesus's example in the Bible, he did not do life by himself either. If anyone's going to do life by himself, Jesus could have done it, but he chose not to. He chose to have a group of men surround him, and he needed them, um, and they needed him. It was one of those two-way relationships. We have that um, in multiple places. Here's one of them as well small group, connect groups. Um, so you need to get this out in the open. It doesn't have to be with everybody that you're with, but at least share it with somebody. And um, that will at least just help light to start to shine in that area where you're feeling just utter darkness right now because it's not truth. It's lies. Yeah, and, and, and that's why we're community. That's what we are. And so I want you to think about, because a lot of you are struggling with this, and I did in middle school and high school, Constantly looking in the mirror going, I'm just not good enough. Um, God didn't, couldn't love me. I'm a horrible person. All those things. And so, but part of that community is, uh, who do I turn to? Uh, this almost has levels to it, right? Like if it's just really something you can share with a friend, maybe it's a little deeper and it needs to go to a youth, uh, youth leader. Uh, maybe it's a little deeper and it needs to go to uh, a counselor. Uh, maybe it needs to be something your parents are involved in. So there's all these key questions on who do I go to? But we want you to know there's no wrong answers here. It's community. We love you. Um, and Matt brings up all those words, uh, child of God, um, that you, you put that promise in your head of who you really are. Because this really is an identity question. And when you know your identity, you'll go back to God. You'll, you'll feel like I'm close back to God because I know who I am. I'm a son of God. I am a child of his. Uh, I have his inheritance um, I'm the light of the world. All the verses that say who you are um, is the verses that I would look for. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Yeah, we're a community of students learning to live for Jesus. There's a reason we emphasize it so much. There's a reason we want you in these connect groups. Uh, it's because sin and isolate, feelings of isolation can really um, get to us. And feelings like this of, of not being worthy, not being worth anything, uh, grow when we're uh, just telling ourselves the same thing every day. And so you need someone in your life who goes, dude, that's not who you are. That's not who I am. That's not what we're about. Uh, you need truth tellers in your life, right? Yes. You're, you're, not, you're not who you used to be. Uh, you are loved by Christ. You are beautiful. You are cared for. Uh, you are worthy. You need people who are going to say stuff like that. And that often is really hard to be the first person to admit it. Um, but I promise you, this is a safe space to do that, right? At our church, our youth ministry, um, if I ever am like, dude, how you doing? And you said, not okay. I wouldn't just be like, oh, that's weird. You should be okay. Um, it's, yeah, it's okay to not be okay. You've heard it a million times, but it is true. And so, yeah, let's ask the next question. Kind of connected, similar to it. Question number four, uh, how do I grow in my relationship with Christ when I have been in a spiritual desert for months? And again, this is stuff, this is stuff that you're, we're thinking, right? How do I grow closer to Jesus when I just don't... Um, feel close, when you just don't feel connected, a spiritual desert, that's, um, that's what it could feel like, right? In seasons and moments where we don't feel loved, we're not connected to community or connected to scripture, it can feel like a desert. And so there's three things I just wanted to say, and then we're going to hear from uh, our panelists. Uh, number one, um, Matthew chapter five, Jesus teaches us how to pray, which is awesome. Uh, Jesus doesn't want you, Jesus, like, wants to be connected to you. Uh, he has reconciled us to himself, but there are still moments where we could feel distance uh, between us. Uh, but Jesus teaches us how to pray. And so one, I would just say, um, if you're not feeling close to God, like what does your prayer life look like? That's always my first question. And a lot of times you'd be like, I've tried, I just get distracted or this or that. I'd encourage you read through, and I've taught about it many times here already, the power of prayer, how Jesus teaches us to pray. Um, so Matthew chapter five, um, number two, read through the Psalms and ask yourselves, has anyone in scripture ever felt the way I've felt before? The answer is yes. The answer is a resounding yes, right? Moments of hopelessness from David are like all across the book of Psalms. Like, so read through it. I promise you, if you're just like, I just don't feel close. And a lot of times that can be like depression, thoughts of depression and thoughts of anxiety or guilt or shame. Just read through one psalm a day, right? You can, it's, you can pick, like, just one, right? You can just go through, pick, like, pick a psalm, read through it, meditate on it. And um, that's worshiping God in the good times and the bad, the deserts of our lives. And uh, number, number three is community. Again, what we talked about in the last question, uh, community. Find someone who's going to tell you the truth and invite you into this uh, growth that happens. Because a lot of times when we're alone, it's hard to tell when we're growing, and it's also hard to grow. So those are three things. One, prayer. Two, read through the Psalms. Uh, three, find someone to su submit to, right, and to be accountable with. And Yeah, so no, those are when my thoughts. I, when I'm in that spiritual desert, my radio is important to me. I listen to Journey. I'm cranking it. And all of a sudden, I hear the voice in the song say, turn to the Christian station. I'm like, no, I know I can't do that, God. I'm listening to, it's journey. This isn't like something stupid. This is journey. And I'm like cruising and I'm going faster. And this little tink, 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 tink sound. I'm like, what? It's like, 
turn to 104.1. Let, let, me, let me help you with something fun. Um, listen to Christian music. <laughs> it, it changes how you feel. It gets you going again. It, you come and it turns that worship. There's just something that the world can't do. Um, even journey can't match. I know it's hard to say. Music for the Lord. I think, too, just giving yourself grace, um, just realizing that this is not something that's going to happen overnight where you're sometimes, you know, all of a sudden just going to have a mountaintop experience the next day after being in the desert. That's not how it works. It takes a while to get there, right? Just like if you went on a hike, you, you're not just instantly on the top. You wish you were, but you're not. So just um, it's all about building habits again. So starting small, committing to praying every day before you get up or reading a psalm before you get up every day, and then just slowly building that and slowly adding to that. So it's like once you have prayed for, I think it's like 21 days, we've debated about how many days it takes to make a habit. It keeps changing. It's somewhere like 16, 21 days. Um, But do that, and then when you've made that habit, then add another thing, and then before you know it, you're going to feel a lot closer to God. So baby steps and give yourself some grace. Great. Now all I can think of is what about Bob? Um, Nobody gets that joke. Raise your Uh, hand if you understood. Yeah. There you go. There Raise you go. Your, I got a couple of got a couple. Put your hand down right. if you're above thirty. Um, just, just joking. So there's a there's a there's a band that I love, and uh, one of their songs says, "Had to walk the rocks to see the mountain view. Looking back, I see the lead of love." And there are many times when we feel like we're walking through the desert, and I'm reminded. I'm always reminded, um, not just of the Psalms, but honestly, Lamentations. You want to talk about desert? Just listen to some of the things that Jeremiah has to say. He has, made, he has made my teeth grind on gravel. He has made me cower in ashes. My soul is bereft of peace. I have forgotten what happiness is. So I say to myself, my endurance has perished. So has my hope for the Lord. Remember my affliction and my wanderings, the wormwood and the gall. My soul continually remembers it, and it is bowed down within me. But this I call the mind, and therefore I have hope. And this is, this is, this is probably the most broken that anybody has ever been, I think, really in Scripture. Jeremiah is destroyed. And he says this in the middle of the saddest book of Scripture. He says, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him. To the soul who seeks him, it is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for man to bear the yoke in his youth. Like, y'all, if you're in the desert, sit in it and be silent. Find some time to be silent and get before the Lord. Get on your face. Get on your knees. Like, cry out to the Lord. Like, I, I know that there have been times in my life when I've literally been on the floor in my room crying my eyes out because I feel like God is just so distant. And I don't know what to do. Like, we get there. 
But the beauty is, is the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. And he's, he's there with us there. And so I would just say, continue to strive to seek the Lord because you will be found. Jesus says, knock and the door will be opened. Seek and you shall find. Like you keep seeking God, he's going to come after you. And then the, the next thing I would say, continually pray that the Lord would meet you and he will answer that prayer. Yeah. Yeah. And in seasons of depression, loneliness, Christ is near. And I've had to challenge myself with this. And I felt like the Lord has taught me over the years. Sometimes I'm like, oh, I'm in a season of depression or a season of this or that. And then I've often wondered, like, I know, I know Christ is near. Like, what am I doing to run towards him? And so there's a bit of challenge in that as well. Like, what am I doing? Like, so often we complain about God being silent and we don't read our Bibles. And I've had to been convicted, like, I've been convicted on that. Like, and so I'm, te- like, I'm saying as someone who has felt this way, who has struggled with mental health, uh, who has had very difficult days, even while being here as a leader, um, Christ is always near and we can run to him. And there's moments where uh, you just got to get on your face. You embrace, you embrace the season. If it's something that's ongoing, you embrace it. And you got to get on your face. And when we fight, right, what, what was that first song say? We're fighting in prayer. We're fighting on our knees with our hands lifted high because uh, the battle belongs to God. So um, question five. Here's a good question. This is for all the seniors out there, right? How do I deal with the anxiety and worry of finishing high school and starting a new chapter in life? All right, seniors, where are we at? Hands up. Let's see. Woo woo! All over there. And maybe this could have been from a junior, but I, I, it's it's the time that like quite like oh man, my life is changing. I remember. I, maybe you guys felt this way. Um, I just got so comfortable in high school. I like kind of did my thing. I kind of had my groove, but I didn't know what I wanted to do afterwards. And I remember graduation day, I was like sitting there. I'm like, oh man, like it didn't hit me until like had the cap again. I'm like, I have no idea what I'm going to do with my life. Um, but that's okay. Um, I want you guys to go first because I've been kind of saying, so. You know, I, I think, you know, it, if you have been with the Lord for any amount of time, you're able to look back and see the way that the Lord has taken care of you. And so there was a season in your life where you transitioned from middle school to high school. And God took care of you there, right? And this one feels scarier because you're going to leave home, a lot of you, or you're going to try and figure out what you want to do with the rest of your life, which seems like the world's biggest question. But again, I think it comes back to exactly what John says, uh, John recorded Jesus saying in, in John 10, like, do I trust that God is a good shepherd and that he will lead me? Like, you, I'm going to give you just a quick tidbit. God doesn't care where you go to school. Literally doesn't care. You want to know why? Because wherever you go, God can use you there. Like, God, you can still live out the will for your life. God's call for you, which is to be salt and light to a dark world. And you can do that wherever you go to school. You can do that for whatever you decide to study. Whether it's finance or you want to be a physical therapist or, you know, you can use that for the glory of God, right? Really, I think we get so wrapped up in, like, what am I going to do? And we we start to actually forget that, like, really all that matters is how I'm living for the Lord. Mm -hmm. So how are you living for the Lord in your schoolwork? 
Are you doing it for the glory of God or are you not? And we all know what that looks like, right? Like, uh, and especially seniors, are you skimping on the last few months of school and not really paying attention? Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to challenge too. Are you, are you skimping on your responsibilities here at Citizens as a senior because you're checked out? Juniors, are you starting to feel that too? Like, we are meant to bring light to a dark world wherever we are. And so, like, yeah, it can be scary, but trust that God has it and focus more on the fact that God wants to use you wherever it is that you go. I think this is also a season, um, for those of you struggling with that, where you um, pray for peace on a daily basis. The opposite of anxiety and worry is peace, and God will grant you peace, and he'll grant you that if you ask for it. So um, something really good to pray for during this season is to give you peace, and he will, and you will feel that. It's pretty powerful. So I would encourage you to do that. Um. I think of, so like, okay, seniors, right? And again, we'll get back to everyone else in the room. Junior, senior, people who are leaving soon. You need to set non-negotiables for your life. Um, so think about anxiety. What am I going to do in the future? I'm thinking a little bit about, okay, you're looking at this next season. Matt had a great point. Wherever it is, wherever you go, you're still you and God's still God. And so you have to set non-negotiables. Um, three that I think. First of all, number one, find a church. Find a church. Non-negotiable. Like, and people are like, oh, I'll go to church next week. I'll go to church, like, I don't know, I'll wait. till." And all of a sudden, like, three or four weeks go by. A semester goes by. Two semesters go by. Um, so set the non-negotiable of being committed to a church, number one. Uh, be committed to the word, personal reflection, Bible study. And you had a great point, Matt. Like, we have to ask ourselves, how am I living right now? And how is this going to translate into the future? Because you're still you and God's still God. And the same things are still required of you. So... Church, Bible, if you're not in the Word now, now is a great time to start. Any day is a good day to start. And then prayer. So, uh, yeah, be committed to those things. And I think of, like, uh, Psalm 1. Psalm 1, if you haven't read it, read it, memorize it. This is, like, when we're thinking of the future, when you're thinking of anything, this is a great passage. Blessed is the man who walks in the counsel, uh, who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, right? So people, people you're with, uh, nor stands in the seat. Uh, the seed of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so. They're like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous, for the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the wicked will perish. So again, Thinking for the future, who are you going to be with? Uh, are you going to delight in the law of the Lord? And are you going to be rooted, right? Those who are rooted in Christ, uh, it, the, the, you're not moving, right? When you're rooted in the word of God, you're not going anywhere. And so those are some things that hopefully bring us peace in seasons of transition. Um, number six. These are all great questions, by the way. You guys had amazing, awesome, powerful questions. Um, I'm really excited about this one. What would be the best book of the Bible to study as a saved high school student? Tony's got okay, something. Okay, here I go. 
Okay, uh, this is a question about where you're at in levels. So here's my first thought. Um, if you haven't read the Bible a lot, if you're thinking, man, it's kind of new to me, uh, this is mainly for my tribes. Um, I always, I always want you to start in the book of Mark, right? Um, so Mark is one of the simplest. Good that, job, guys. It's the right answer. I don't know what's laughing. And so uh, the book of Mark is the, uh, is the simplest book in the Bible. Mark was a very simple writer. He didn't have a lot of philosophy or theology. He just said, hey, you know what? There's this guy named Jesus. Changed everything. The word amazed is used 32 times. So here's what I want you to do. If you're saying, man, I really don't read much, do not start in Genesis and try to read the whole Bible. If you haven't get into some Bible stuff and get in, knowing how to read the Bible is as important as what you read. So start with Mark. The first time you go through, make a list of everything Jesus did. It's 16 chapters, so read one chapter a day for 16 days and just write down what Jesus did. The second time you read through it, the next month or the next whatever, just write, what did Jesus say? Right? So you're saying, what did he do? Oh, he healed this guy. He went to this town, and I don't know where this, this tabernacle thing is, but he went in there. And just write down. And then the next time it's like, what did he say? He said this, and he said this. It's pretty simple. And then the third one is, how did the people respond? Most of them say, they're just amazed. They're just like, wow, who is this guy? And then the fourth time, oh, this is a fun one. I love this one. Um, literally, we did this with every middle school group we had uh, for 14 years in Colorado. We made everybody read through Mark. And the fourth one was, what about me? What is it saying for me to do? And so it's kind of fun because then you'll write like, man, I think I'm going to go heal people. No, don't do that. And uh, so there's all these really crazy things that Mark just points out and shows. Uh, so that's my first thought. It's just a, if you're new, if you're thinking, I'm not sure, I could read the whole Bible. Because uh, until you get into some into tribes for a couple of years and kind of know what the Bible is about and the different type of languages, um, type of the, the type of writings, uh, why why certain things are certain things, covenants, um, read Mark. That's my whole. That's why I was invited here tonight. Correct. That's it. Tony just walked on stage. I didn't actually ask yeah, him to be up. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Old people sit on couches. <laughs> what do you guys think? I mean, Mark is a good one. Do you guys have any other um, thoughts too? Oh yeah. Um, some some books for me that have been super powerful in my life, and I continually go back to. Um, I do remember there was a point in my life where it felt like. Uh, every few months, somebody else was teaching through the book of First Peter. It's an incredible book, um, and it covers almost the, I mean, it covers everything in the Christian life, um, which I, I just love that book, uh, and I think it's a, it's a great book for, you know, any Christian and how to live and, you know, the beauty of um, the power of the gospel. Um, the other book that, I mean, for me, I go back to all the time because it legitimately is about the power of the gospel unto salvation mm -hmm. for all who believe, which is, for me, it's Ephesians. Um, yeah. I could spend the rest of my life reading Ephesians and it never be enough. It's just such a great book. Um, Titus is a great book, too, if you want a short book about the gospel and then how it's supposed to impact the way I live. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, those are, for me, those are some been the biggest. And, I mean, it's kind of cliche to say as a, as a, you know, 
Christian, but the Psalms is amazing because yeah. it kind of goes through all of our experiences from highs to lows of the mm-hmm. of the life of following God. And so I love that. Yeah. James, super practical. Wisdom and instruction for young people is a good one. Mark, life of Jesus, his heart, his ministry, his mission. Ephesians is like strength against like the spiritual battle that we have against sin. Like it's just strength. Um, the Proverbs, there are 31 of them. How many days are in most months? 31 or 30, or if you're February and super weird, 28. Um, you can read a proverb a day, and they are very, very good. So read a proverb a day as well. Isaiah as well. Okay, a lot of those were New Testament. Isaiah, the promises of God that he fulfills in Christ, really cool too, so... We've given a lot. So anyways, we're all a bunch of Bible nerds up here. Uh, the whole Bible's great, but it just depends on what season of life you're in. And so those are a few. Here's another one, another question uh, for us. This one's more of a theology question, right? A lot of this has been like life practical stuff. Uh, question seven, what about the people who never get the chance to hear about the gospel? Ooh, what about the people who don't get to hear the gospel? I may not have had that time to put that slide in. Um, and so for, for me, um, I thought about this a lot in high school as well, and I thought about this a lot. And so Psalm uh, 14 is a passage I wanted to read, and it's pretty clear uh, to us, our status as human beings, as Christians, or as people. Uh, Psalm 14 says, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands, and there is no one who seeks God. And so a lot of this question poses, well, what about the people who haven't heard? Um, sometimes assumes that because they haven't heard, for some reason they're good, right? And you only understand your depravity if you understand Christ. But the reality is uh, we are all separate uh, from God no matter what. And so there isn't ever in history one person uh, who is good. And so we have to operate that out of that understanding. Um, that there's no one who can earn their righteousness. And a scripture, again, Romans chapter 1, his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived uh, even since the creation of the world in these things that have been made. So they are without excuse. So these are two passages to keep in mind. Um, Our hearts are inherently flawed and separate from God. And there is also this hope that we see here in scripture that even if it's not, Hey, let me, let me tell you about Jesus. Let me sit down and tell you about the gospel. Uh, there's something in our hearts. There's this innate desire uh, for God. There's this uh, God-sized hole in our hearts, right, that um, we have. So every single person knows they need God. I believe that even if they speak different languages, even if they've not, like, we haven't found a civilization of people somewhere in the middle of the jungle. Uh, all hearts need God because we're all made in God's image, and all hearts are flawed. And so... Um, those are two things to think about when this question comes up. And um, yeah, what do you guys think? Kind of more theology. But. Just real quick, um, there, there's amazing things happening around the world in, in the way that God reaches people. Um, and uh, specifically in, in places uh, where the gospel cannot be preached. Um, the Lord visits people with dreams does all sorts of crazy things that you would think were crazy, right? But God works in mysterious ways to bring people to him. Why? Because he loves us. 
And he didn't just send his son for those of us who live in the first world, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it is amazing um, when we open our eyes to understanding how God is working in other places around the world. I think this question becomes moot when we remember that, when we actually sped time researching the way in which God is moving in places where, I mean, like, just think about this. In China, the underground church has grown so much, and yet it's illegal. Mm-hmm. It's huge. They're actually sending missionaries to other places in the world. Like, it's amazing. So, like, I think sometimes we just get caught in our, like, little Western American bubble And, like, we think that, like, well, I mean, if they just don't have a church on every corner, what do they do? I don't know. Maybe uh, God is big enough to reach anyone, anywhere, at any time because he's God. Super, super good. Yes, please. Oh, yeah. They're fighting. Who's going to win it? We're not fighting. Um, I was going to say, one, whoever asked this question, just the fact that you even have a heart for those people. Um, Maybe God's calling you to be a missionary, just saying. Missions are super important. Um, I also think that every young person before going into a career, if possible, should go on a mission trip. Um, So seek one of those out. I can tell you that I went on um, two, actually speaking of underground churches in China, I went to China for a month when I was in college and um, actually was part of an underground church one Sunday where they have to sign in um, to be able to go to church. And they basically put their uh, life on the line every single Sunday because the government will collect those papers. It was pretty crazy. There were spies and stuff in our group too, which was insane. Um, anyway, so it is crazy, but God is still moving there. And then I also went to Kenya during college as well for a month. And, um, I can tell you that those were such life-changing, um, times in my life. And I think you, Um, It's kind of what Matt was saying, too, is like you kind of get out of your bubble and you kind of get out of that comfort zone and you realize just how big God is when you see him working in other countries and you see people worshiping and it's nothing like you've ever experienced. Um, So I think just um, taking the opportunity or seeking out opportunities to, um, if not be an actual missionary, um, to at least go on um, some kind of mission trip. You won't regret it. Uh, highest number of converts, what country right now? Women, Iran. Ooh. Just think about that for I want that to sink in. The fastest growing churches in China with the n- highest number of new converts, women in Iran. So let's start there. Second, um, I'm going to say that if a person never heard, um, and we'll get Courtney involved on NGC here uh, next week, but uh, it's you're judged on your conscience. I would go with that with Timothy, sincere conscience. There's several verses that talks about this is your conscience knows there's a God. And so sometimes our conscience says you shouldn't do that, and we do it anyway. So there is a God-given part of the brain that says, hey, there's right and wrong. That's pretty deep. Next question. (laughs) Next question. Um, All right, we got a few more here. Uh, We'll make this one quicker because there's one at the end I want to touch Uh, How can I extend forgiveness to those who have really hurt us when we don't want to forgive them? Whoa, that is a big one as well. Um, We all have experienced hurt uh, so much so that we're like, you're not getting 
another second of my attention, attention ever, and you are certainly not give it, getting my forgiveness. And um, Matthew 18 is one. Uh, when you're challenged to not forgive, we got to read Matthew 18. Uh, it's all about how we treat each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. And um, if you have a problem with someone, you go to them, you talk to them. And if that doesn't work, you go with uh, more brothers and sisters. If that doesn't work, uh, you go to the elders of the church, right? And it's always this, this moment you're, you're building up if there's this tension. If someone gets to the point where they literally are acting in sin and they don't believe they're wrong, then there, there is a moment in time where you just say, you know what, they, they don't see the gospel clearly because they continue to sin or whatever or they continue to hurt others and they don't see it. I feel like that's pretty rare. I feel like when we actually follow Matthew 18, uh, conflicts get resolved and forgiveness is given. And uh, also the next thing Peter says, well, how many times? Classic Peter, he kind of chimes in, like, how many times? Seven? Seventy times? And Jesus says, seventy times seven. And so it's this idea of there's, there's, to be a Christian is to say, I'm sorry, and I forgive you. And that's what the Christian life is like, even when it's hard and even when it's difficult. So a lot. Uh, we have to give it, it, forgiveness a lot. If there, okay, and I also want to think about this. There's a difference between forgiveness and reconciliation. Keep this in mind. There's a big difference between forgiveness and reconciliation. Um, There may have been something horrible that has happened to you, and that person isn't safe for you anymore, and I'm not, I don't want you to hear from, oh, you have to forgive and just move on, like act like nothing happened. That's not what I'm saying. there's forgiveness that can be given that only Christ fills our hearts to be able to do. We can't even do that in our own conscience. Uh, Jesus does that through us to forgive other people. Um, but you don't need to be reconciled, in my opinion. Um, and that, you know, maybe like, oh, weird. But there can be a deep level of hurt where you say, I forgive you, but I need to, I need to move on. And I need to not maybe physically, emotionally, like I can't be with you anymore. And... Um, so a lot of times people think forgiveness and reconciliation and restoration, right? It's, this process, it's all one thing. Uh, but you can forgive, and like Christ says, uh, letting go of the debts you feel someone owes to you. You can let go of that. Um, but you may never be best friends. You may never consider them family again. And I think that's okay. And I think it's safe, and I think it's appropriate in extreme circumstances. But most of the conflicts we have here in youth group, I think, can be solved. of the time, and we should always be forgiving one another. Amen? Cool. That's, yeah. I can tell you that this is really difficult. I've um, dealt with this in my own personal life, actually, with my um, real dad. And um, it's really hard to forgive someone when they have wronged you and when there isn't reconciliation. Um, And it is a heart issue, I think. Um, And we always hear the whole phrase about, like, forgive, don't you don't have to forget. Um, and I think there's truth to that, too. Um, but, again, that all is, like, your motivation in your heart and have you truly forgiven them. And when you're remembering, do you still get those feelings of just, like, anger and resentment and things like that? Because if you do, then you haven't truly forgiven. Um, so just make sure that, you know, you're not going to forget those things happen to you. Forgiveness doesn't automatically just block those things out. Like I still remember all the things that I went through, but I have forgiven, um, several people, but, um, one of the biggest ones was my real dad. Um, that was a big journey for me, um, which was just really difficult. And I think, um, you know, I, I, 
for me, that was one of those relationships where I am not going to have that kind of relationship with him that I necessarily wanted or thought that I was going to have. Um, and it's not necessarily a safe relationship for me. So I think that there is truth to that. And don't feel like you have to um, put yourself back in that situation um, because it's not always healthy. And a lot of times those things can be toxic. Um, so make sure you have boundaries. But again, just make sure in your heart those things are really forgiven. So when I think about my real dad, no, I haven't forgotten um, the things that happened and the hurt that I felt. I, I won't ever forget that. Um, but I have forgiven and I don't have those angry feelings. I mean, I'm sad about it, but I don't feel those deep just feelings of just anger and resentment. And that's how you know that you've forgiven them. And sometimes they don't ask for it, and sometimes they don't deserve it, and you have to do it anyway. And that's where Christ gets involved and helps work on your heart with you. Uh, just reminded uh, for things that don't go to that level, they, that and I, I think I'm so glad that both of you mentioned that because I think it's so important. Um, we never want to be a place that, like, mm -hmm. covers over sin for people and the consequences of that. Like, there's there's all that in the conversation. Like, things that people do to you can have severe consequences, right? But that doesn't mean we're not called to forgive them. But yes, the the other things of like letting them back into your life and all that. That's 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 a whole, those are whole other conversations. Um, for places where that's not the case, I I have to be reminded of how much I've been forgiven. And that is the thing that helps me then forgive others. Um, I'm reminded specifically of my dad leaving my family um, when I was uh, graduating college and me being so angry at my dad and, and just like, you know, and I, I wasn't going to forgive him, and I was I was telling him how I was never going to become him. Six years later, I had done pretty much the same things my dad did, um, and I'm reminded, like, I'm no better. Like, we, literally, if you think that you're better than people, just remember that we're all guilty of the same thing, and that's nailing Jesus to the cross. Yeah, okay? No matter what sin you did to get to get Jesus there, that doesn't matter. And so, like, when it comes to the type of relationships, like, that you have here or at home or it's like, like, we have, we do have to remember that, like, we've all been forgiven much. And, and, you know, Jesus talks about that in the parables about how, um, you know, we've, we've, we've been forgiven much. He even has the whole parable about the, the guy who gets forgiven this massive debt, right? And then he won't forgive the guy who owes him, like, two quarters, you know? Like that, that Jesus calls us to forgive. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, a couple quick questions that we got during the question and answer time. Number one, do we go to heaven right after we die? And the answer is if you're found in Christ, if you know him, then the answer is yes. And that's it. I can't say anything else. That's the answer. There's uh, no, yeah, it's a good thing. Yeah. Party time. Woo. We do get to go to heaven when we die. We should remember that if we were Christians. Um, yeah, there's, there's no, in the Bible, there's, there's nothing I, I don't think that supports, um, yeah, like something purgatory, something like that. Was that? Okay. You're going to disagree with me again? Listen, only because it's outside of time. Um, when you die, That's, you go to the waiting place of the dead, but there's no time there. So it's like That's when you go to point. sleep and you're like asleep and then you sit there. I'm watching you with a watch. It's like forever. 
every minute. But you're sleeping. You don't know. You wake up and it's morning. That's how it'll be when you go to heaven. You don't go straight to heaven and say, hey, God, I'm here because you didn't go through judgment day. Um, but you are in a waiting place of the dead, which is probably you won't matter. You'll wake up and you'll be on judgment day going to heaven and we will party. Yeah. Party's the word. Yeah, it is kind of weird when you think about time yeah. and you're just like, yeah, time, that's kind of weird. We don't really understand it. Um, all right, here's another question. Blah, 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 blah. Where'd it go? Ooh, this is a bigger conversation. I wish we had more time to talk through it. Uh, what does purity mean and how can we stay pure as Christians? I have a few verses for us. I know, a big one. Uh, purity means, and this is specifically talking about like sexual purity, I'm imagining. Uh, it means we follow God's uh, guidelines in scripture for sex. That's exactly what that means. That's, um, purity culture has kind of been like attacked and, and tainted a little bit. The idea, I think, for many years was like sex is a bad thing. Don't like think about it. Don't have like all these bad, 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 bad. And so purity culture kind of gets this bad rap. Um, and, and I grew up in that culture, and maybe some of you guys did too. Um, and, and, and the idea, how do I stay pure as a Christian? So purity means, I imagine it's not like specifically in Scripture. This is what purity means. Um, but we follow God's guidelines uh, for our minds, our souls, and our bodies. And we live the way that he taught us to um, so that we can be blessed, right? And when we choose to sin, uh, we choose to suffer. When we choose to walk down the wrong path, uh, we only invite consequences in on ourselves. And so how do I stay pure as a Christian? Um, there are three verses I need you uh, to look up and understand. And there's, you write them down, pull out your phone, whatever. Um, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Uh, that's a really, really important one. And we know that no temptation can control you, right? There's no temptation um, that can control us. All of them are common, right? All the things we struggle with, um, we've been struggling with for years. And so you need to understand, how do I stay pure? First, you need to understand uh, that there's no temptation that controls you, right? There's nothing you feel or can say that you're just like, you know what, I am powerless to this sin. It's just not true. Second Timothy 1, 7, no feelings can tell me what to do. Um, Christ has given us um, a mind and a spirit of power, right? That's what that verse says, and that of self-control. Um, you have power as a Christian um, through the power that Christ has given us in the Holy Spirit. And so again, when we're fighting temptations, um, you have power. Don't think that you don't. You have power. Galatians 2.20, um, wrestling with shame, uh, no past sinfulness will define you. There will be no sin that catches God at like surprise, like, whoa, I didn't think they'd do that. That's really weird. Like, no past sinfulness defines who you are in Christ. And so that's so important, uh, middle school and high schoolers to understand. God's given us guidelines of how we're supposed to um, live and how we're supposed to treat our minds, our souls, and our bodies. How do we stay pure? Uh, by living according to God's word and being in community and confessing, right? Regularly confessing. Don't hide these sins in the closet. Don't hide these things under like, like oh, no one can know, no one can see. Um, we have the actual solution to sin, so we should be the most open and vulnerable uh, group of people in history, right? The world is more open than us sometimes about these things, and they're actively committing sins. When we're fighting to stay pure, when we're fighting to be pure with our minds, our souls, and our bodies, um, we should be confessing to one another when we fall because we have the actual solution. So those are things I was thinking. Any comments from you guys? The peanut gallery. 
Um, I think, too, just um, you're going to have those thoughts. You're going to have those feelings. It's just what you do with those. Um, the thoughts and feelings are not a sin. Um, we are all, um, e we each have that nature in us. That's the way we were actually created. Um, but it's what you are doing with those. So when you have those feelings or thoughts, you need to make sure um, that you're taking those captive and you're not acting on those or you're not taking those to a further place because that's when we fall into the sin. And again, just... Um, having accountability, telling someone about those, because like I said earlier, um, those are another place where Satan will um, decide to manipulate you and get you into thinking different things about those and using those against you. So make sure that you're getting those out in the open, bringing those to light. It's a theme. Um, I immediately just thought of the fact that we had talked about Philippians 4, 8, 9, and, you know, we're, we're called to... Um, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think on these things. Like, and practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Like, purity goes so much more beyond just the idea of, like, can I have sex or not? Like, how far is too far? All those kind of questions. Like, purity is is this exactly, which is what are we pouring into our lives is what comes out right? If, if, <clears throat> just put it this way, if I eat a lot of fat, greasy food, I'm going to be a fat, greasy dude. And it's going to be gross, right? Think about that. What you're pouring, though, into your mind is what comes out. We talked about, it, it, that's, I mean, from the heart, the mouth speaks, right? So purity is so much more than just about, like, sexuality, all that kind of stuff. Purity is something that goes so much deeper. It's about all that we are. So are we angry people? Are we, you know, people that are having all these kinds of stuff? I, I always have to remind myself, like, well, if, if I'm finding myself struggling with, with one of these types of things, like, a lot of times I realize, what am I pour, have I been pouring into myself um, recently? Have I been spending too much time on social media? Have I been spending too much time just like watching too many shows or, you know, like just uh, what have I been doing? Like, and is that something that is leading me to whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely? Like, am I doing things that are they're making that come out of my life or am I doing things and pouring things in that's like, you know, trash in, trash out. That's just how it goes. Mm -hmm. Like, so um, where you're struggling with purity, it could be sexual. Yeah. But it could also be just like your anger or your like anything. So, um, yeah, I mean, and I think that's really important for us yeah. to remember. So. I think so, too. Yeah, you're not powerless over temptation. It's a truth from Scripture. And that's why, again, one of the reasons we exist is to remind each other of the truth and to be in community living together. And so, all right, I think we got time for one more. This will be the final one. Um, and this actually, a mom asked this question because she signed it. She said she didn't need to be anonymous, so which was kind of cool. Um, so given the recent news, the massacre in Texas, which we prayed about earlier, what are some very, very practical things that kids can do to love each other? And so, yeah, when we think about this most recent incident, it's someone who is in high, like in high school, uh, who obviously this is a mental health issue, this is, this is a sin issue, 
Um, we don't value life. Uh, this is a mental health crisis, thinking this is the only way out. And so what can we do as Christians to practically love one another in, in moments like this when we see this? So um, one of the things that the security talks about at your high schools and your middle schools is what keeps students from doing that is relationships. It is just that simple. They literally hire security people. They hire people around. They, they are pushing it, all the administrators, teachers. We have to have relationships with students. Um, and that doesn't have to be, hey, you're my friend. Come to my house. That could just be you say hi to them. You know their name. Um, you greet them once in a while. You just go, hey, how was class for you? It's that type of thing will stop students from doing that. Yeah. It is that simple. It is not, oh, if left their way off, you need to call. Anytime you see something, hear something that just doesn't sound quite right, please call. Call somebody and just ask, you know, what should I do with this? But honestly, it's that relationship. And I, my expectation for you as Christians is to make a difference everywhere you are. Um, every time you talk to someone, uh, today I was at the, at the dump and this guy's thing blew off. His cover blew off in front of my truck. So I get out and I'm like, oh man. So I pick it up and I take it back to my truck because he drove off. So I start to drive and he gets out of his truck and he's coming after me. Now he's about 80 and he's like, oh, I'm going to get you. And I'm like, me? I, I got your cover. And I'm like, hey, it, it blew off. and I'm, I'm here to help you. And he's like, all right, all right. I'm like, oh boy, here we go. And, and I go, can I help you fold it? And he went, what? I go, can I help you fold your, your thing blew off? Can I help? He's like, well, I thought you were stealing it. I, go, oh, I really don't like that color of one, but okay. Um, and then, you know, he's so old, I ran over him by accident. But um, anyways, the, those, that, that one little story there just reminds you every time you are somewhere, um, it's about relationships. And uh, sometimes just a simple, hey, how are you? Um, saying their name, keys, keys, especially when you know you're filled with God's grace. Oh, man, got to say that. Thank you. I think just um, kind of piggybacking that is invite people in. Um, you know, don't have your just kind of own group. Just kind of seek out those who are on the kind of outsides um, just because they need someone too. So seek those out. Just kind of have those eyes. And a lot of times, like, I pray that God will just give me his vision or opportunities to just kind of seek those people out on a daily basis and like, who do you want me to talk to? Who do I need to go reach out to? Um, and he follows through with that too. So that's a prayer of mine that I have at school. Yeah. We live in a world that's just full of terror and fear and pain and heartache. And I think the best thing that you can do for those around you is to give them hope. And it's the hope of the gospel, right? But it's also, I was, we were in the verge the other night, we were having a conversation and I just, I went to Revelation and I needed to be reminded of this. And then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And then I heard a loud voice on the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be their God, and he will wipe every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. 
and there shall be no more mourning or crying or pain, for all the former things have passed away. And then I was reminded, too, that one of the last things that Jesus says, and this is a comfort, too, because with all the terrible things we see, this is one of the last things that Jesus says to us. Get this. He says, behold, I am coming, bringing my recompense with me, and I will repay everyone for what he has done. I am the alpha, the omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Like, if you think that God is not going to deal with the evil of this world, oh, he is coming. And he's not coming as a lamb this, this time. He is coming as a roaring lion who is going to destroy evil once and for all. And it will be gone. Like, that is the hope that you need. That is the hope that everyone needs. And if we're not giving people that hope, what are we doing? Yeah, it's true. That's who, that's who Jesus is, right? That's who he's coming back to be. And there's no better way to end that. Yeah, thanks for reminding me. Um, and so we were, yeah, we were thinking about this and we were realizing that there's so many questions that are happening uh, that you guys have. And so uh, we're going to have uh, in the next few weeks the ability for you guys to uh, write questions. We're going to keep this link. You can, uh, we're going to throw it up every so often on the screen. And we're going to have the option to write some of these questions down and we're going to be having more of these uh, nights in the future. And so your questions matter. And uh, don't keep them to yourself. But can we thank our team for being here, answering them? All right. So we wanted to do something. Band's going to sing one more song. This is a new song, a song we're going to do at camp. And um, we're really excited for this one. And uh, we wanted to first, as we're getting up... um, Honor and recognize your leaders who have done so much for you guys this year. Um, Connect groups after tonight, like this is officially, um, there's officially no more connect groups after this. We recognize that this was a better night to end it on. I know it can be kind of sad, um, but we wanted to recognize uh, the leadership and the work um, that your leader has put into uh, being here consistently, uh, serving you, knowing you, and challenging you. And so if you see your leader tonight, Um, We're not even going to do a round of applause. I want you to do this. If your leader is here, I want you to look them in the eye. Can you guys look at me up? Can you guys, everyone look here? If you see your leader tonight, find them, look them in the eye and say thank you. Thank you for being here. Uh, Right now, could work or later. That's fine. Um, Preferably later, right? Don't just be like, thank you. And then just like, okay, (laughs) thank you. You're great. Um, Genuinely, seriously, you have no idea um, because you're, um, yeah, you have no idea how much it means um, to have people come t- week after week to try and mentor and train us. And so um, when you see them tonight, say thank you. Stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. Uh, thinking about these things, thinking about how Christ is coming to redeem and rescue all things. Uh, we're going to sing together, all right? And we're going to sing this song, and then we're going to be done. And we're going to hang out in the lobby. Uh, but I want you to listen to these words. This is a new song for us, and these words are powerful. Uh, these words are truth, and these words are going to bring us life. So are you ready to sing? All right, are we ready to sing? Yeah. It's about a 50-50. Let's take it away. <laughs>